Alright, well, hi everyone. If you don't know me, which I'm sure most of you do, my name is Caleb, and I work with the youth here at Bear Valley Church. So, uh, if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, I am in charge of them. So, yeah, pretty crazy. So, uh, as I get up here today, uh, I think it's always good to be reminded of, like, why... Uh, like, why in the world do we care about youth here at this church? And, like, why in the world uh, am I here and my job is really just to control uh, these high schoolers and middle schoolers, right? So, uh, I don't know if you've ever... The, the answer for uh, why we do youth ministry is, it's very simple. It's that uh, youth, middle schoolers and high schoolers and elementary schoolers, are the future of our church. So actually, uh, if you want to look around and uh, find a high schooler and a middle schooler and look at them, because that is that's our church someday. And so uh, I go to the I go to the junior high, or the the middle school and the high school fairly often, and uh, it's just it's it's not. Um, I mean, I'm sure we all struggle with these things, but when you walk, especially the middle school, when you walk around the middle school. The best way to describe it is that everyone is just, like, looking for acceptance. Like, everyone, uh, every time I go there, there's always some, uh, there's people being bad, not just to be bad, but just for attention. There's people, uh, it's basically everyone's looking for acceptance. And the first group that'll accept, uh, basically, your youth sometimes are, what's well, natural for youth is the first people that they are accepted by is uh, who they become like. And so uh, I'm here, uh, and my job is pretty much just to teach everyone and to uh, try to have high schoolers and middle schoolers and me know that there's a God who loves us and that we know who we are in Christ, unlike all these other people at the high school and the middle school who are just haven't really figured out who they are yet, right? And so uh, with that, like, there's, uh, if you... Like, if you go to the, the middle school youth group or the high school youth group, you look around, there's so much potential everywhere. Like, I wonder, uh, like, uh, I don't, I'm not going to call anyone out, but I just feel like, like, someday there's going to be one of my middle schoolers up here teaching when I'm too old to relate to, to youth anymore. And I know, isn't that crazy, right? And so I want you guys to know that, like, when you, when you see high schoolers and middle schoolers, be praying because this is the future of the church. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's why we, we try to invest there. So today we are going to be in John chapter 15. John is, in my opinion, one of the most awesome books in the Bible. And so let's get into it. So, uh, throughout my whole life, my, my dad will tell you, uh, you probably heard through his sermons when he's making fun of his kids, uh, but uh, my whole life, I've been kind of a weird guy in that I, I overcomplicate things. Like, when I was, uh, like, what's it, so, like, for example, if I was little and I was building, say, Lincoln Logs, I would be like, okay, we need to draw out a plan. We need to have strong foundations. We need beams 
And, like, basically, I would be, like, and people would look at me and be, like, just build the Lincoln Logs. They're so simple. Just put them together. Or, like, say I was putting my shoe on. You know, I would stare at it for 10 minutes. I would, like, try to, like, look at it and be, like, would it slide on better if I had two strings unattached or one? And my dad would be, like, just put your shoe on. And uh, it's kind of funny. This book of John, John uh, if you know anything about the Apostle John, it is written by uh, the disciple of Jesus, not John the Baptist. Uh, this guy was known for, he was called one of the sons of thunder. So he's a very straightforward guy. He was, uh, he was a fisherman, so he probably wasn't like this. He probably wasn't the smartest disciple. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but John, uh, he, this whole book, this whole book is kind of telling us, uh, people like me, I guess, saying, stop making the gospel complicated. They're saying, uh, sometimes in our own life, we, uh, we ask ourselves questions like, how do I follow Jesus? Or how, uh, how do I be a better Christian? How do I bear fruit for the Lord? And John is writing to us, and he's basically saying, stop making it so complicated. The answer is so simple. It is so simple, and yet sometimes uh, we forget uh, what the true answer is. So, uh, if you could stand uh, in the honor of God's word, and we're going to read John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. All right, let's pray that God might help us understand this passage. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us this morning where we could come to church and we could learn about uh, John 15, Lord. Um, Please help us understand who you want us to be, and please help us uh, live uh, like you want us to, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, if you're reading through the book of John, uh, this, this passage is very interesting because uh, if you think through the life of Jesus, uh, Jesus, obviously, he came to earth Christmas time. Uh, uh, that's what we celebrate. And he came to earth and he came to die for all of our sins. And so, something interesting uh, that we need to think about is if Jesus is about to die... And Jesus is putting together his last sermon, if you will. Uh, You would think that Jesus would probably be like, I'm going to say the most important thing that I need to say right now. And so, if you read through the book of John, this passage, John 15, falls right in the middle of uh, what people call the upper room discourse, which is basically when Jesus is having the Passover meal, uh, he is giving his last sermon to his disciples right before he dies. 
So if you're reading this, you're thinking, wow, okay, this is probably super important information. And uh, then if you, if you look even further at it, this is my, uh, I'm going to do this pastor thing where I throw in a nerdy word just so you guys think I'm smart real quick. Um, it's, so here it goes, ready? So um, this sermon or this discourse, basically some people say, uh, think it's in a chiastic structure. Wow, smart. Huh, yeah, I know, right? And what this basically means is that it seems like when Jesus is talking, everything he's saying is building up to a point and then going away from it. So basically, um, all you need to know from that is that this passage falls right in the middle of it, meaning that a lot of people would argue that this is the main point of Jesus' whole last sermon. So uh, now that I said the, the smart word, and you guys all think I'm smart. Um, what you really want to take away from that is that if this falls right in the middle of one of the, Jesus' most important messages, then it means we really need to work hard to try to understand it, right? And uh, this Vine passage, I've read through it so many times and just like kind of skipped over it because it's like, oh my goodness, like Jesus is telling an analogy that's hard to follow. And like, oh, I have to like put together like, who the vine is, who the water is, who the branch is. It's just so complicated. And uh, honestly, remember that, that Jesus thinks this is pretty important. So I think we should too. So um, another thing about the book of John is the book of John is, uh, it's talks about in chapter 20, that it's basically, it's very simply written so that you might believe in Jesus, right? And so if you want to go through the whole book of John, He's saying, the whole theme is believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And sometimes we make our faith a little bit too complicated, right? We, 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 we try to think, like, how can I follow God? And we make it more complicated than it needs to. And, what, uh, the, and basically, Jesus, in verse 15, describes the exact answer to this question. So, um, let's get into it. So, uh, we talked about earlier how if you're um, trying to follow Jesus, there's questions we might all ask ourselves, right? We might all ask ourselves, uh, how can I follow Jesus better? Uh, how can I do what God wants? How can I be more connected to God? Like, how can I walk closer to God? Or another question is, like, how can I praise God with my life? How can I glorify God? And uh, this is... This is the crazy thing, is uh, we, we overcomplicate this so much. And so I have a list of basically wrong answers that we, we give ourselves to this question all the time. So the uh, first wrong answer, how can we uh, glorify God, is trying to look like a good person. Uh, another way is work, just trying to work on our relationships or trying to work on our family. Uh, another way, and you're like, wow, Caleb, this is just getting more offensive as you go on. Another way is serving. Another way is through prayer. Whoa. Right? So you're like, Caleb, how I, how I glorify God that's not through prayer? Hmm. We'll get into that later, right? Uh, church. Oh, my. We're in church. That's offensive, right? And the last one is... Uh, the true way that we don't glorify God, reading our Bible. 
And you might be thinking, what in the world? Like, you're fired, Caleb. Like, you just told us not to read our Bible. And uh, you're like, oh, well, this is the last sermon you're teaching. That's not what we're talking about, right? So, if we're really to glorify God, the thing is, um, there's tons of good things we could be doing. Being kind to others is a good thing. Reading our Bible, great thing. Praying, a great thing. But I think John is really trying to tell us that if you really want to follow God, the most important thing is not any of these things, but it is being connected to Christ. Being connected to Christ. And so you might think, like Caleb, that sounds a little bit offensive, but let's go through, uh, let's go through John 15 and see if John agrees with me, all right? So, uh, the verse starts out by saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So, this is the umbrella verse of the whole section. Jesus starts us out, and he says, I am the vine. And so, uh, <clears throat> this is normally where, before I would read it, and I would be like, oh, okay, well, he's going into an analogy. I don't have the time. My d- Devo limit is five minutes, and this is going to take too long, so I'll skip over it. Uh, but we really, if you think about what the vine is, it's a lot more simple than we make it sometimes. So, uh, the vine, if you think about a grapevine, the vine is simply both your connection and how you get power to bear fruit. So, uh, lo- a little background for you. So, if you were a Jewish person at the time that John was writing this, the first thing you'd think of when you think of vine was actually the nation of Israel, right? So in the Old Testament, there's a few verses that actually call the nation of Israel the vine, and they don't just call it the vine, he calls it the, basically the failed vine. And so the, the idea at the time is, how can I follow God, or how can I be connected to Christ? And a Jewish person would say, well, through the nation of Israel, right? And so uh, they would say that, but Jesus is implying that actually... He's, he's basically implying to the Jews, he's saying that actually you're not connected to God through the nation of Israel. You're connected to God because of me. And so you might look at that and be like, I don't really struggle with that. I'm uh, not a Jewish person who lived during Jesus' time. But we do struggle with these other things. Like we think, sometimes we're, we're tempted to believe that like, how am I connected to God? Well, I'm a good, ter- I'm a good church attender. Or, how am I connected to God? And I would say, like, well, like, have you, like, tried my Bible trivia recently? Like, it's unstoppable. Or, you might say, how am I really connected to God? And you'd be like, well, I pray a lot. And all these things can connect us to God, right? But, if a key part of this equation left out is Christ, then they don't do anything for us, right? So now you might be like, okay, I was mad before. Now I understand a little, a little bit more, right? So uh, Christ says, I am the true vine. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, my father is the vine dresser, meaning my father takes care of the vine. Uh, a simple thing to note about this, uh, this isn't a very complicated point. People try to be like, well, does this mean that like the father is disconnected from the son? And we're connected, like, no. That's not what it means. It means that that our are bearing fruit, are being connected to Jesus, God takes care of it all, right? 
And uh, so it's important that we don't overcomplicate that first part of it. Uh, And then we go on to verse 2. And it says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. In verse 3 it says this, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So Jesus is making a very important clarification. Uh, just like I said earlier, like there's other things that we think connect us to God, but really Christ does. And so he's taking it a step further, and he's saying that if you really want to f- bear fruit, then being in Christ is an absolute must, right? So what in the world does bearing fruit mean in, uh, in the Bible, right? And so bearing fruit, here's what this means. It means character that is Christ-like. It, it could mean praise to God. Uh, it could mean like fruits of the Spirit. When you hear, what are the fruits of the Spirit? And you teach them in Sunday school. And uh, also, if you read through the whole passage, which I'm not going to go over today because uh, we got to eat lunch sometime, right? But uh, if you go through the whole passage, uh, Jesus starts talking about love all the time. So maybe... Uh, the immediate context of it points to that maybe he's talking about the fruit uh, being love. So, but to simplify it, he says, if you want true fruit, or if you want praise to God in your life, if you want your life to to be producing love, then Jesus is a must, or being connected to Christ is a must, right? And so, he also talks about, uh, this is also a very important passage, talking about who's a believer and who is not a believer? Because there's, there's so much confusion about that, right? Uh, uh, it talks about pruning, uh, and it also talks about taking away branches that aren't bearing fruit. So, uh, so this is, it, it can be confusing, right? Like, if you've ever uh, been walking with Jesus, and you just have a terrible week, and you're like, well, I was just a terrible person this week. Maybe I'm not a Christian, because Christ followers follow Jesus. I wasn't following Jesus very well this week. Am I a Christian? So this, these verses, uh, verse 2 and 3, they clarify uh, for the Christian who's doubting. Well, they clarify for three people. They, they clarify for the true Christian who's doubting. They clarify for the false Christian who thinks they're a Christian. And they clarify for the unbeliever who's trying to figure out what is the real way to be saved. And so uh, if you look through the verse... Uh, it says it says in verse 3, and this is addressing the, cru- the true Christian. It says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So, if you are a true Christian, as soon as you are saved, you are clean of the punishment of your sin, right? So, this doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. This doesn't mean that you're a perfect person now. It means you don't have to face the punishment of your sin, right? And so, if you're a, a true Christian, it also says that every branch that does bear fruit, that's a Christian, he prunes. That's talking about God. So, it's saying that if you're a true Christian, he's, it's basically saying there are going to be things that are still wrong with you. Right? Pruning is what you do to a plant to make it bear more fruit and not uh, basically be hindered in its growth. And so, if, so in this verse... Uh, Jesus is implying, you say, hey, if you're a true Christian, first of all, you still struggle with sin. 
So struggling with sin in your life should not make you doubt that you're a believer because that's not how um, Christian, Christianity works. Like Jesus paid for our sins and we did not do it on our own. And so Jesus is saying, if you're a true Christian, first of all, God's still working on you. And, uh, he, but he also points out some very specific things. He says, true Christians, you're still bearing fruit. You're still bearing fruit. So that means if you're a true Christian, you may struggle with sin sometimes. You may have weeks where you don't feel like you're following the Lord very well. But if you're a true Christian, you will be growing closer to the Lord. If you're being pruned, you're being made better. So it's saying that if you're a true Christian, you'll be following the Lord closer throughout your life. And it also says you'll be bearing fruit. And it talks about the fruit is Christ-like character, right? So, so those, are the, those are the signs of a believer. So perfection is not the sign of a believer. Uh, and then it goes and he talks about the false Christian. So the interesting thing about this vine, this vine analogy, is if you look at it, people might think, well, uh, the branches who don't bear fruit, it's talking about unbelievers, and it's talking about believers when it talks about pruning them. And that is true, but the important thing to be considered is, if you think about what looks like it's a part of the vine. Like, say, for example, someone is an atheist. They've declared they're an, they're an atheist, and they said, I don't believe in God. That's a bunch of garbage. This, is, this passage isn't really talking about them, right? Because you don't look like you're part of the vine. This is talking about believers, or people who claim to be believers, and they look like believers, but they are not believers. And Jesus, this is both a very harsh passage and a very encouraging passage, because Jesus is saying that looking like you're part of the vine, looking like a Christian, does not make you a Christian. And he basically, he says, if your life is not producing Christ-like fruit, that means if your life is characterized by sin, if your life does not, uh, if, if you're not growing in Christ, if, if, uh, if your life is for yourself, it doesn't matter if you go to church. Right? It doesn't matter if you're a good Bible reader. It doesn't matter if you pray. Because if you're not connected to Christ, and you're not bearing fruit, then you're not a true believer. And so, um, it, seems, it seems super harsh. Like It seems like, um, it seems like, like Christ is saying, it, like people will look at this and be like, "Wow, this is kind of this is kind of judgy. This is kind of harsh." But Christ is trying to make it one hundred percent clear for us that Christ is the only connection that can make you saved. You can't be saved without Christ, and sometimes we understand that very well. But additionally, you can't grow. You can't bear fruit without Christ in your life, right? And so he keeps talking about this throughout the whole chapter. If you've uh, Sometimes when you read this, you might be like, I don't know if you've ever uh, been in school and you've been writing an essay with a word limit, and it seems like you're like, John, like, so, it seems like at the first reading that John is repeating what he already says, because he's like, (laughs) he's like trying to fill up a word limit, I guess, you know, and so you look at that and you're like, John, why would you do that? Like, just be, just be clear the first time, but he's repeating so that we... 100% understand we are connected to God. We bear fruit because of Christ and because of what he's done for us. So if you look at verse uh, verse 4, it says this, Abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Then he goes on again and he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. All right? So it seems like Jesus is a little bit restating what he already said. He already said that he is the true connection and he is the way we can bear fruit. But he brings up this new word. He brings up the word abide. And if you know, like we don't use it a lot anymore, but a way you can think of it is your abode is your house. So uh, if you're, it says abide with me, He's basically saying, live with me, which sounds kind of weird. He's saying, continue to be with me. Stay with me. Be connected to me. And so there's this crazy thing where when you find yourself, like after a week of being a terrible sinner, and you're like, wow, I really need to get better. What should I do right now? And you might think, oh, well, I've been skipping church. I need to go to church now to get my life together. Or... Well, I, need, I really need some scripture in my life right now. And the crazy thing, and it seems a little bit complicated, but the crazy thing is that if you do these things without the goal being to abide in Christ, then they're a little bit worthless, right? So the crazy, the crazy thing about this sermon is reading your Bible, that's actually a way to grow closer to Christ. Praying, that might be the number one way that you can really remain in Christ. Going to church, you hear sermons, you, you read the word, and you praise God, making you grow closer to Christ. But he's pointing out that if your focus is not, I'm here to grow closer to Christ, I come to church to grow closer to Christ, I read my Bible so I can be closer to Christ, then, um, then basically what you're trying to do won't be working. Uh, the thing is, like we, we always say, Read your Bible or go to church, but church doesn't solve everyone. I don't know if you've <laughs> you've met a lot of people, uh, but like sometimes you'll have someone who attends church all the time, but you look at yourself and you think like, uh, like I don't know if they're really growing closer to Jesus right now. Or you might have someone who's very smart biblically and they could say chiastic structure and know what that means, but uh, but like are are you going growing closer to Christ? What is your goal? Uh, so he starts out, and he says, "Abide." Uh, he says, "Abide in me, and I in you." And then he repeats again. He says, "As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing." Uh, this makes so much sense, uh, even reading the rest of the Bible. If you've ever read Romans 3, it talks about how we're all sinners, and it also says, apart from God, we can't even have good intentions. We can't even try to do good. We are utterly lost without Jesus. And so, uh, we, we, I feel like we sometimes put this together during salvation, when we're saved, 
But after we're Christians, we sometimes forget, like, oh, maybe I should just try to follow Christ through my own power now. Maybe I should just force myself to read my Bible, even though I'm not growing closer to Christ through it. And Christ is saying, Jesus is saying, you know what? Let's change our focus a little bit. Let's make our focus abiding in Christ. Because that is the true way to have power through, if you, if you really like think through your own life, and this is like hard, but you think through yourself and you think like, like I, Caleb Bozler, actually have zero strength, have zero ability to be who God wants me to be. And you need to look at yourself and you think, I have zero ability to be who God wants me to be. And so the only possible way I can live the life that God wants me to, the only possible way that I can have uh, good relationships with people, that I can bear fruit for Christ, is abiding in Christ. It's abiding in Christ. And so uh, he keeps going, and he repeats the harsh thing he said earlier. He says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So he's saying that if you're trying your best, our best is not good enough. Because if you're not abiding to Christ, abiding in Christ, if you're not making, being close to Christ, your number one goal, then we're going to fail. And we're not going to be who God wants us to be. And it's sometimes so like hard to get there. It's so, sometimes so hard to think like, even if I try my 100% best, that is not good enough. And that I'm going to fail. And that I'm not going to be who God wants me to be. Uh, but that's pretty much what this verse is saying, right? Uh, it's 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 crazy that uh, if if we don't abide in Christ, no matter how good our intentions are, or no matter how hard we try, uh, that it's not going to produce a good life, right? So it's crazy. Like if you, th- this is such an unheard concept for this world. If you. I, I even watched an interview of a guy, he was asking, uh, well, actually, I don't think he was a Christian. It was uh, it, it was an interview of the Westboro Baptist Church, a little side note. Um, but there was an atheist interviewing them, and obviously they had really bad answers because there's some problems with that church, if you know, know what that is. That's the church that was um, saying, like, gay people will go to hell and stuff, which um, it probably isn't the right way to respond to to you know, our problems in our nation. But anyway, that's not, that's not the point. The point is, uh, this person was asking, and, and they're basically saying, will Gandhi go to hell? And they were like, yeah, he will. I was like, well, that's like a little bit aggressive way to, to put that. But to a person who doesn't believe in Jesus, the thought is like, well, at least the best 5% of people, the best people, like, if you start a charity or if you raise really good kids, or uh, if you donate a lot of money to the poor, that, that that'll, that'll make you go to heaven someday, right? And so, that's crazy, because we need to, obviously, like, like people, people say things like that, but when we're a Christian, what we do is we just read the Bible, and we think, what is Jesus saying right now? And Jesus is saying, your best, even Gandhi's best, it's not good enough, right? It's not, it's not good enough for you to try hard. And uh, you won't be living the life that God wants you to be if your focus is not abiding, abiding in him. And so uh, we have to really think about, like, if, so 
like Caleb, your whole point of your sermon is abide in Christ. Explain that a little bit more. Like, what does it mean to abide in Christ rather than uh, basically use my own strength? And it's it's pretty simple, actually. It's when we go to do things, when we go to be kind to people, when we go to read our Bible, when we go to church, when we go to pray to the Lord, our goal is that we are improving our relationship with Christ, that we are growing closer to the Lord. And so it's kind of weird because you're like, okay, Caleb, you literally just said that was the wrong answer in the beginning of your sermon. And so uh, a couple of things I want to point out for you guys is that uh, if you've ever studied mainly the book of Matthew and uh, heard about these people called the Pharisees, they were people that Jesus was actually very unhappy with. And... These people, if you study them, they had most of the Old Testament memorized. They prayed for hours a day. They were the ultimate church servants at the time. And yet Jesus was saying, uh, guess what? You don't accept me, so all that is worthless. All that is so worthless. Uh, people are uh, my like people who, who know me right now, you're like, well, Caleb, there's no way you're going to get through the sermon without u- using a math illustration. And yes, I'm about to use one, right? So uh, if you've ever, have you guys, if you've ever been in school when this was happening or how to to help a kid with their homework when they have common core math, you might have been very frustrated because you get the right answer and you're like, and then you hand it to the teacher and they're like, that is wrong. And you're like, the answer is 10. It is right. Who cares how I got there? And the teacher will be like, you fail the test. You're held back. And that's, uh, I, I don't want to like, obviously the gospel is way better than common core math, right? But, so don't be offended that I'm making this illustration. But sometimes, as Christians, we think, oh, guess what? Bible, that's the right answer. Going to church, that is the right answer. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is. But if you're doing it without Christ, you're going to fail the test, right? You're going to, like, you can't, you can't just say, I'm a Bible reader. I'm a prayer. I'm a churchgoer. Or even, I look like an awesome person. Like, maybe you look like the kindest guy ever. Maybe you're known on the street as the nice guy. Like, that doesn't matter if, you're, if your life isn't about Christ. So, uh, as if I haven't said, you know, enough about, focus your life on Christ, I'm going to say that again. So, uh, basically, as we wrap up this whole sermon, as we wrap up this whole message about the vine, who's the true vine, I want us to remember uh, just uh, a few final reminders about abiding in Christ uh, that we need to be living by. So, uh, the first one is that to abide in Christ, uh, our priority should be Christ, right? I talked about been saying this over and over again, like John the Apostle writes his books, right? Uh, that Christ is our priority. That in our life, if you're trying to follow Christ, being close to Christ should be your priority, not how many chapters of the Bible you read, or not like your your, your prayer logs, like it's a job and you're paid by the hour, right? Uh, the second thing is that all other things we do, so that's reading our Bible, that's praying, that's going to work and doing a good job, that's uh, being kind to people every day, Uh, all other things we do when it honors Christ. 
That's what our life should be centered around. Like, we don't, we don't, like, the true reason to be kind to someone is not just to be kind or not to look good. The true reason is that it honors Christ when you're kind to other people and does not honor, honor Christ when you're harsh or when you're mean. Uh, so, all other things we do if it honors Christ. Raising a good family, that's done to honor Christ. Not falling into the sin that you want to fall into. We do that not just to look awesome. We do that uh, so that it honors Christ. And then thirdly, uh, it's kind of along the same lines, is that our motivation to live, our motivation must be to live in Christ. So we need to think through. Like if, if we have a life that looks super Christian, if we our church attendance is great, our family seems to get along well, our relationship seems good, I'm, you know, serving on the church work day, doing a great job. Uh, we must realize that, and we must individually decide for ourselves, that we don't really care about that if our motivation isn't to live for Christ. Our motivation isn't to, uh, to have our life fully centered on Christ, to get all our strength from Him, and to know that without Christ, we're utterly lost, and that without Christ's power, we can't live for Him. So, uh, with that, let's pray that God might help us have true focus on Christ and on what he can do for us, all right? Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you that uh, following you, even though it's difficult sometimes, it's so simple. And it's that uh, we follow you and we bear fruit because of Christ, because of what he's done for us. Please help us to focus our whole lives on being closer to you, Lord. Please help us uh, focus our, our minds not on outward works, not on looking good, not on doing good works, but let us focus on being close to you, Lord, and those things will flow from it. Lord, we love you. Um, please help us uh, live for you uh, throughout the rest of our week, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.